busy. Right? Did you see that? How you doing? Oh, man, we're busy. Have you heard people say that? It's like the new good. Right? The, the new good is to be busy. Right? Like if you're not busy, then you must not be what? Good. <laughs> Something's wrong with you if you've got margin. Right? If you're kind of at ease, just chilling. Something's wrong. And then what was the progression that took place? Today you ask people the question, how are you and how do they answer it? Tired. Makes sense. Good became busy. Now it's socially appropriate. It's actually shocking if people say anything different other than, I'm tired. Right? That's the world that we live in today, isn't it? We're, we're physically exhausted people. Yes, we live in the efficiency of technology. We have it at our fingertips, 24-7, 365. We can work from the beach, right? We can rest, quote-unquote, while we work. Yes, we live in the technology, but we live also with this intensity that we must produce all the time. Do you feel that? That if you're not doing something, if you're not pr producing something, making an impact constantly, something's wrong. And so what happens as a result of that is that we live in a constant state of exhaustion. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm the only one that's tired. No, I hear it from everyone else, too. But it's not just physically tired. Recently, I had a, a breakfast appointment with a, a young man who I will say is uh, Rico. I just made that up. Rico and I had breakfast recently, and it was the second time Rico and I had breakfast. And uh, the first breakfast was a little interesting because it was like, what are we doing? Why are we having breakfast? Why did you invite me to do this? Why are we even talking? What's the deal? Sitting across the table eating great eggs, uh, home fries, and bacon, right? And so we had that meeting, like, okay. And then later on, he's like, hey, let's have breakfast again. And I'm like, okay, why? Thinking, why? What's going on? Obviously, the Lord was doing something, right? It was the Lord bringing someone into my life. And so I said, okay, let's do it. Let's have breakfast. And at the end of the second breakfast appointment, I asked him the question, finally getting below the surface, how can I pray for you if we're about to pay for the bill? And this young man looked at me and he said, pray that I have inner peace. And I thought, here's a young man that's not just physically tired, but he has this inner unrest, this lack of true peace, this lack of shalom, as we look at it in the scriptures, that he lives in a state of unrest, and that now is his crave. In that state of exhaustion, inner exhaustion, his crave is what? That he would experience an inner rest from the turmoil that he is facing. I think in many ways, we live in something much more than a physical exhaustion, but many of us struggle with a spiritual one, craving the, the, just a moment, really, I believe, as we're hardwired, an eternity of what the Bible talks about as Sabbath rest, right? Today, we turn our attention uh, to the fourth commandment. So I want you to open up your Bibles to Exodus 20. 
We're going to look at verses 8 through 11 in a focused way. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11 as this message series continues to build in the Ten Commandments here. And I'm going to just simply tell you what I'm going to say right now. I typically don't do this, but I want it to be crystal clear. First of all, rest is a calling to be obeyed. Rest is a calling to be obeyed. But we'll see that it's more than that. Rest is a gift to be received in Jesus Christ. And lastly, it is also not more than that. I don't want to say it's more than Jesus. But beyond that, because of Jesus, in Jesus, rest is also a hope to be expected. So today we're going to look at Exodus 20, but it would be a, a truncated version of the Sabbath, I believe, to just simply stay there and not see the full unfolding story of true Sabbath rest for people like you and me that struggle with physical, emotional, and ultimately spiritual exhaustion at times. So let's read this together. And I wonder if there's someone here today that this message is speaking directly to your current experience, that you are not a person living in an unexplainable inner turmoil, a, a constant unrest, that all the offers and promises of this world have failed to meet, all the temporal attempts to secure rest and peace of mind, this world has simply failed to give you, maybe a momentary sensation but never a lasting, true, inner rest of the soul. If that's you, guess what? God has something very specific to share with you today. Let's look at Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 11. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. In verse 8, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son, or your daughter, or your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and made it holy. This is God's word. And all God's people said, Amen. 
we see here in verse 8 a very simple command. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. And we see that Sabbath is about, verse 9 and 10, uh, about ceasing. It's a, it's a desisting. That on six days, and some of us need to hear this verse, six days you shall labor. Right? Some of us need to get a job up in here. Right? Some of us need to do something. Right? And you're all looking at me and saying, don't you just work on Sundays. You've got it reversed. You've got one work in six. Anyway, I'll stop at that. Six days we labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a day of ceasing. It's a day of desisting. It's a day of abstaining from the ordinariness of work of the previous six days. So we see here that the people of Israel and all those with them, their sons, daughters, servants, and even the sojourner, the livestock, are commanded to remember the Sabbath. They're commanded to not work. And I think that's an interesting command given the state they're in. Do they not have a ton to do? You're talking about a people who have no home, who are journeying through the wilderness, and you know to lose a day here and there, to set aside particular activities, seems to me like a very inefficient way to get from A to B. Shouldn't they first get what they need to get done, get where they need to go, and then rest. Some of you know what that's about. Some of you have the first I got us when it comes to resting. Does anybody know what the first I got us are? We do that in our home often. You know, like coffee's brewed. Babe, let's just sit. Yeah, but first I got us. You know the first I got us? You have that? No, I really want to sit down, but, but first I got us. Right? There's always something more urgent, more important that first we got to do because it's inefficient, it's unproductive, it doesn't make sense. We have the time, let's use it. Isn't that how we live and work in today's world? But the Lord is saying that on the seventh day, they're to stop, they're to cease, they're to take this day as a very unique day, a, daily that, a day that is holy to the Lord. Set apart, unique. And so we ask the question, why? Why does the Lord command Israel to remember the Sabbath? Well, if you look at verse 11, he says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Bottom line, this is what God did. This is how God made the heavens and the earth. The Creator worked, created for six days, and then he rested. Going back to Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, right? This is who God is. This is The Sabbath is about who he is and how he acts in creation. And so in this moment, we see that the command is given to the creatures. You're to live in rhythm with the creator. This is built into the hard wire, the DNA of what it means to be human made in the image of God, to be a representation of who I am. 
And really, this is a revelation to us that God is one who is at rest. Amen? So the crave that we have, the rest that we long for, is really a craving for the Creator God who's at rest. That the deep issue is not just having a a 24-hour period where I can kick my feet up and I don't have a list of to-dos, but really that Sabbath is about entering into the rhythm of the Creator and to experience the person of God who is ultimately at rest in who He is and what He's done. The the Sabbath, as He says, remember the Sabbath day to, to keep it holy, And then verse 11, therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. As we live into Sabbath keeping, guess what? We're keeping holy that which God made holy in creation. It's all about holiness. It's all about the living God. Doug Stewart talks about this in his commentary. He says, the Sabbath is not portrayed as a day of recuperation from those too weak to keep working day after day without rest. It's important. He says it's portrayed rather as a stoppage, a ceasing, good for everyone, for the purpose of refocusing on what? Holiness. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. It's about the holiness of God and about the holiness of the people of God that have been set apart. And the holiness of the day of creation where God rested on the seventh day. This is about the holiness of God. In order to enjoy God's blessings of that day and its potential. Rest is a calling to be obeyed. At least initially for the people of Israel. But as we see, it is not just that. If you turn to, if you have time... Maybe if you even remember Deuteronomy uh, chapter 5, that rest is not just a calling that we have uh, uh, to be obeyed for the purpose of keeping holy what God in creation made holy, but rest is a command for the purpose of remembering redemption. Deuteronomy chapter 5, he's once again telling the people of Israel, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. As the Lord your God commanded you. So once again, no work. Desist. Cease from it. And then verse 15, he says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Keeping the Sabbath is about remembering redemption. It's about those who are redeemed from Egypt, those who have been set free from the oppression of God's enemies. It's about them remembering the fact that God intervened in their life and set them free. That's what Sabbath is all about. Remembering redemption. And again, just like creation, right? It's a, it's a ceasing so that we can look back and say, God did it in creation. And so the the Sabbath, again, is a ceasing so that we can focus and remember on the fact that in salvation, guess what? God did it. I don't do it. I stop. And I remember that God did it. It's God who acts. It's God who works our salvation. I don't need to. Amen? So it's about remembering uh, redemption. 
And I'm not necessarily equating remembering redemption on the Sabbath here with what we do in our, our corporate worship services, what we're doing right now. I'm not necessarily equating the two. That is, the Sabbath was Saturday, now it's Sunday morning. I'm not necessarily doing that. But however, I do think that that's what we're doing here, aren't we? That we've set aside this day for corporate worship so that we might remember our salvation. It's because we are so prone to forget. We're so prone to be distracted by activity. And we forget the fact that our identity and our eternity is built on the action of God, the work of God, to save us from our sins. We forget that. And so in this moment, we are indeed the people of God who come together around the scriptures, around the gospel, who celebrate the fact that God has redeemed us from our sins. If we're here for that purpose, that's what it's all about. Maybe that's a shift in thinking for you. And I wonder if some of you here today are in a place of spiritual exhaustion. And I wonder if there's a, a, a disconnect, maybe a, a, an inconsistency in your remembering of your salvation. I wonder if you're in a place where you're, you're not engaged in the scriptures to the extent that it's reminding you of your redemption, reminding you of the person of God. I wonder if you're in a place where prayer is, a, is, is kind of an absent practice, where you're not just sitting and thinking and reflecting and saying, yes, you did it, Lord. I praise you for my salvation. Or maybe you're in a place where worship attendance is inconsistent at best, and you've forgotten. And in this moment, you're saying, man, yeah, I guess I better go. But then you realize it's not just about, I guess I better go. It's about the fact that you have the opportunity to hear the gospel and be reminded of his salvation once again. It was interesting. We were at Missional Community this past week. We were going through the sovereignty and the purposes of God and salvation. One of the questions was this. When's the last time you sat down and reflected on God's action, his intervention, his showing up in your life to save you from sin? When's the last time you sat down and really pondered the details and the situations and the conversations that led to that and how he orchestrated those things? And all of a sudden, I found myself totally oblivious to everyone else in the room. Yes, I admit it. And I was in my own world, thinking on that, recognizing that it had been quite some time since I had just sat down with a pen and paper, without a phone, without a conversation, without a television, without an activity, and just sat there and said, Lord, remind me how you saved me. And about 20 seconds in to engaging in that discipline, I felt just so much grace, reminded of the grace of God, the situations, the relationships, and I thought, oh my goodness, God did it. And it's beautiful. It's so undeserved, but it's so good, and it's so beautiful. 
And I wonder if some of you here today need to grab your phone now and schedule time to just sit and think and remember. And maybe that's not the source of your spiritual exhaustion. That you've not entered into the redemptive story in your own life and said, how has the gospel been real and purposeful? Yes, it's objective. It's, it's God, humanity, Jesus' response. Yes, but it's also something we've experienced and our lives are, are, are unique in how God has weaved his grace through it. When's the last time you just sat and thought about that? That's probably my car. <clears throat> nope, it's his. And it's interesting that Gavin Ortland talks about spiritual amnesia or gospel amnesia. He says, if you struggle to take Sabbath rest, it may be a gospel issue. Is it? Finding your identity in your work or being a people pleaser or using busyness to distract you from unhappiness. So much overwork is driven by self-justification effort. We need to accomplish more and more because we're failing to apply to our hearts what Christ has already accomplished for us. So the most important thing to do during Sabbath rest is to refresh your heart with fellowship with God and enjoy your status as his beloved child because of what Christ has done. Is it a gospel issue? Maybe just simply forgotten the gospel. We just doing things because you're on the schedule. Right? You're here because you're on the schedule. The mass exodus. Who's the jerk? Oh, well, I would have happily blamed myself. But it's bound to happen in the Maisie life. So rest is indeed a calling to be obeyed. Yet as we read through the scriptures and we go through the story, guess what we find out? The people of Israel did not obey this call. Right? They did not obey this call. And they found themselves in exile. They found themselves under the oppression and living in spiritual unrest for centuries. And it left them crave. There's got to be more. There's got to be more to this, this pursuit of a resting place, this experience of God's shalom, this inner peace. It's got to be something. There's got to be more. And so you know what the, the, the real super-duper religious people did? They said, yeah, I got an idea. Let's come up with a bunch of more rules to make Sabbath rest more a part of who we are as the people of God. Man, if we just pursue it with more intensity... If we make it more robust, if we add a ritual here and a ritual there, if we just make people do it more, then they will experience peace. Then they will know Sabbath. And we see that they get into this encounter with Jesus in Mark chapter 2, where the disciples on the Sabbath, they are very hungry. And so they begin to pick grain. And the Pharisees, the finger pointers of the day, and you know who those people are, they're like, lawbreaker. <laughs> right? We got a few of them in the home to remain nameless. A few Pharisees. 
Yes, one of them is me. I have an issue there. Uh, and I'm grooming others. Um, but yeah, they, they're finger pointers, right? Lawbreaker, you're picking grain. And Jesus is like, man, your rote religious observance of all your man-made rules has been a complete missing of the point here. You've missed the point altogether of what Sabbath is intended to be. You've missed the point of the Father's heart. The essence of a God that's at rest. You've missed it. And he says to them, the Sabbath was made for man. Not man for the Sabbath. We're not here to serve it. It serves us. And then he goes on to say something very profound. Claiming to be sovereign over the Sabbath. And also, as we see in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is the source of true Sabbath. He says this, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Amen? This is Jesus taking a look at rote religious observance. Your kid played volleyball on Sunday? You know, like, again, I'm not necessarily advocating for that. I'm just, you know the deal with that. And so, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And when Jesus looks at spiritually exhausted people, he doesn't come up with more rules. He comes up with a final provision based on his finished work. Because rest is not just a calling to be obeyed. Rest is a gift to be received from his gracious hand. And so if you're looking for rest, if you're wondering where you will find, where you will drink from the well of shalom and Sabbath and rest, there's only one place to go. Really, there's only one person to go. That's Jesus. He looks at a spiritually exhausted world, and Jesus says this with great joy and passion, I believe. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your bodies. No. Your souls. Inner peace. Inner rest. Sabbath. In the deepest part of who we are. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so we see that the source of true Sabbath. What the Sabbath of the old covenant and the law foreshadowed was the substance the body, Jesus. That's what Colossians 2 says. Right? That they were fighting about Sabbaths and all the super duper holy people were like, yeah, you, 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 man. You need to do this. You need to do that. Then you'll be righteous before God. Then you'll really be spiritual. And Paul talking to them says, no, no, no. Don't get into fights about that. Don't get, don't get distracted by that. Look at The substance belongs to Christ. That's just the shadow. Just the shadow. I think for so many of us, we're lost in the shadow of Sabbath keeping. And we're missing the substance of Sabbath keeping. We're missing the body that, that casts the shadow. And that's Jesus. Let's not miss Jesus as the source of true rest in Sabbath. So if you're here today and you've never said yes, you feel that spiritual unrest in your soul and you're craving for something not just physical, not just a day trip to the spa, not just another back rub, 
not just an afternoon where you get to watch LeBron James almost be as good as Michael Jordan. Right? But a time where you are filled with the Spirit of God who is the wealth of eternal life. And the work of Jesus, the work, His work, is applied to your heart, your soul, your state before God. So that when God looks at you, He says, you don't need to work for my acceptance anymore. No one's justified by the works of the law, but what? Justified by faith, reliance, dependence on the finished work of Jesus. So if you're here today and you've never heard that, you've never received that, don't miss this opportunity today to decisively turn from all attempts to gain Sabbath anywhere else, run into the arms of Jesus and receive inner, inside, eternal Sabbath rest from his hand. Because he is Sabbath. We can't relegate it and minimize it to just one 24-hour period, one day a week. It's a person. It's about God. And Jesus is that person. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. 2013, there was 160 million visits to day spots. Why? Well, I mean, we all know why. We're tired. We're looking for Sabbath. We're looking for retreat. $14 billion of revenue in the feel better industry. Rest industry. You can only receive it. And here's the beauty of this. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that those who believe, that those who trust in the finished work of Jesus do receive it. I want you to hear that, Christian. You, if you trust in Jesus, you're no longer searching for Sabbath. You have it. You may, oh, I don't feel like it. It's fact. You have it. Regardless of how you feel. This is an objective truth. It's a gift that comes through faith in Jesus. Sabbath is a fact for the follower of Jesus. Listen to what he says. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For the good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them. Why? Because they were not united by faith with those who listened. But then look at what he says. For we who have believed enter that rest. Done. Signed. Sealed. Delivered the truth of the gospel. For we who have believed enter that rest. Rest is a gift to be received in Jesus Christ today, now, for all those who believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And yet some of you are like, wait a minute. Didn't he read verse 1? Has he read the whole chapter? Does he understand how exhausted I am? Thanks for the inspiring words. But I'm beat. I'm crushed. I'm worn out. 
And so I want to receive that, and yet I'm having a hard time. I think there exists a tension still, doesn't there? That yes, it's, it's a gift to be received today, now, but it's also a, a hope that we expect that, that just like the, the kingdom of God, it's not something that we are fully experiencing right now in all the intended way that God has for us. There's this already, yup, today, reality. We have Christ. We have Sabbath rest. But then there's also this not yet reality. Yeah, well, not yet, not completely. There's a tension. And I, and I think that's where we live. We live between the first coming and the second coming of Jesus. We live in between. Yes, we are saved. Can somebody claim that promise today? We are saved. And yet we still wrestle with sin every day because we're not yet saved. Right? We're, we're justified, but we're not yet glorified. There's still more. We're on the journey. We're pursuing God, but we're not there yet. And I think that's where we, we, we have our hope heightened today. Right? That it's, yes, it's a gift we receive, and we begin to live in the, in, the, in the practicalities of living out Sabbath that is very real, but we also live in the tension that we're exhausted and that we're laboring, we're working, and we're anticipating a day where we will finally and fully rest from our labors, as Revelation 14 says. Rest is an eternal hope to be expected. This is our hope, Christian. Right? Hebrews 4 goes on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. There still remains that rest. Whoever has entered that rest path has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. So we who have received rest are those who are striving day by day to enter into that rest. How? Hebrews 4 tells us by persevering, by trusting, even in the midst of such pressure and exhaustion, and labor, and activity, we're a people who rest in Christ and are faithful to obey every one of his commands. That's what Christianity is, the persevering of the saint to that day when we will finally and fully have that Sabbath rest that we long for when we enter into the kingdom of God, when we, when we, when we are <coughs> residents and citizens of the city of God. Not to go contemporary Christian music on you. But I couldn't help but think of Jeremy Camp's song, There Will Be a Day. It's true. There will be a day. Some of you are in the midst of very tiring and exhausting situations in the battle against sin the temptations of this world is physical that gets to the emotional and the psyche and then you start to doubt God then you have to be reminded back it, it's just a constant tension and wrestling of the soul hear that a day is coming Jesus will return he will come again, and he will defeat all that sin really has done to ruin rest in us. Right, you think back to Genesis chapter 3, where God curses 
the serpent, and he curses Adam, and he curses Eve. And what does he say to Adam? You're going to work your butt off, and nothing is going to happen. Someday that all that we do for God will bear great fruit. There'll be no frustration in vocation and calling. There will be a day where we rest perfectly and fully in Him. So, trying to be quick here at the end, how does one now live? How does one live in Sabbath with this already not yet tension? Well, I think that's the answer to some degree. If you're looking for, should I take Sundays off or Mondays or go on Saturday? What, what should I do? I, I, I think the scriptures are pretty, my opinion, ambiguous there. We hear more of what Sabbath is and why Sabbath. And we see a lot of ceremonial things related to the old covenant that Christ has fulfilled, that the, the body is now present so we no longer deal with the shadow in, in the same way that Israel did. For sure, I submit it to your conscience. How, how's the Spirit leading you to live into this already not yet reality? I think, first of all, this, because it's already, we can't minimize it to one 24-hour period. It's our life. Even as we work, we're a people at Sabbath rest. Our life is Sabbath, right? It's a hope, it's a gift to be received. It's a life to be lived in the here and now. That no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, we can take a moment and recognize that we live in the rest of God because of Jesus Christ. Don't limit it to simply having a day off with your feet up. Enjoy Jesus 24-7 is what I'm getting at. Enjoy Jesus 24-7. But I also think that because we've not fully received it, we need to intentionally schedule it. We need to pursue it. We need reminders. We need rest. We need spiritual rejuvenation. We need to set aside time to worship God. And we want to, don't we, as his followers? Devoting ourselves to the pursuit of holiness, to remember that God has made us, that we're a creature, and that we are those who have been redeemed, I think is important. John Piper says, our eternal Sabbath is begun, but it is not fully present. This is probably why the early church did not abandon the celebration of one day in seven as a day belonging especially to the Lord. Probably why. They knew that the final rest was still future. A day was still needed to bear witness to a self-reliant, self-sufficient world that our work does not save us or define us. Christ does. Amen? I think we need that. I would encourage you to think through this. How do we live in this already not yet tension? How do we live that out? How are we people of Sabbath who are committed to Sabbath 
and receive Sabbath from Jesus. And then schedule and orient our lives to worship Him. To around the Scriptures and prayer, community. See, I think when we just go after a seventh day issue, we just, we make it too small. And to be honest, you know, I gave you three points today. I said, rest is a calling to be obeyed. It's a, it's a, it's a gift to be received, and it's a hope to be expected. But really, I think even so, that, that trivializes Sabbath. I think what we need to see here, people, is that this is about God. This is about the story of God. He created a world and rested. He's a God at rest. And in our sin, we lost that joy. We lost that experience of that resting God. And in Jesus Christ, he restores rest to the broken sinner. And someday we will enter into that Sabbath rest known as heaven, where we rest from our labors, as Revelation 14 this is the story of God applied to the people of God. It's about his story and what he's been doing, what he has done, and what he will do to give his people what they crave, Sabbath rest in his son. Could this be a biography of yours, really? Is this your life? Is this your story? Christ's work is enough. I rest in Him. I pray that God's Spirit truly enters into your heart and gives you Himself and gives you the rest you crave. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you are our Sabbath rest. You are our peace. You are our joy. We turn to you. We, we long to represent you. And yet we recognize, Lord, that we are weak and that we are needy and that we're tired. And we hear your invitation to come to you and that you will give us rest. Give each and every one of us today your rest. And may we leave this place all the more perseverant, whatever the world we face, anticipating and expecting that there will be a day where we will fully and eternally rest together in you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.